Welcome to Council 4 Unplugged, the podcast of our Council 4 AFSCME Union. I'm Larry Dorman, happy to be here as always. Uh, we have a very important show today, uh, and I'm looking forward to this, and I'm appreciative of uh, the two guests we have who are going to talk about something that's incredibly topical, and that is the issue of sexual harassment. And our guests today are State Senator Kathy Austin, who represents the 10-town 19th Senate District. It includes Norwich, Sprague, Columbia, and, and other towns. Uh, Kathy is a three-term state senator uh, up at the Connecticut legislature and a powerful voice on behalf of all working people, uh, unionized and not. And uh, our other guest is Tangeri Godwin. Tangeri spent 20 years as a state correctional officer, retired in 2015, and both have some uh, tremendous and powerful insights into an issue that uh, has become a daily topic of discussion in our country, in our states, and uh, it's seemingly at everybody's kitchen table, and that is sexual harassment. So let's jump right into it. Uh, we wanted to have uh, Senator Austin and, and Tangeri on because they were part of uh, they both worked at the State Department of Correction at a time when sexual harassment was an issue. And uh, Senator Austin, why don't you lead it off and talk about what was going on in the early 2000s at the department? So quite frankly, uh, back in the 2000s and for probably uh, the decade before that, the Department of Correction had seen an uh, increase in uh, sexual harassment uh, amongst its workforce, uh, uh, it was uh, uh, all. It was I would consider almost an epidemic um, in the Department of Correction, and um, uh, we were looking for ways. We, the women in the Department of Correction, were looking for ways to uh, stop it. It made a very negative work environment for everybody uh, and um, so back at that time frame I would say that um, uh, we as a group of women organically got together and said we're no longer going to tolerate being treated badly uh, by colleagues, supervisors, or administration. And I really think that this was an administrative issue that uh, it uh, uh, bled down into the lower ranks. As a matter of fact, um, CHRO did a, uh, a report on the Department of Correction, and in their draft report, it said that the Commissioner of Corrections uh, was guilty of pervasive sexual harassment. And um, ultimately, he resigned after that report came out and that one line uh, was removed and it just says that the Department of Correction was guilty of sexual harassment. I have a copy of that draft report and I've kept it uh, because I think it was important to know that this was a climate that was initiated by the head uh, of that very large state agency and it took a lot of very brave women to get together and their male colleagues who said, we're no longer going to tolerate uh, women who could be our daughters, our mothers, our sisters, our wives, uh, to be treated badly. And uh, I should say that uh, Senator Austin, Kathy Austin, was a correctional lieutenant? Correct. At the time that uh, this was happening and also led the formation of 
of a union, of the bargaining unit for captains and lieutenants. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But Tangeri, uh, you were a correctional officer uh, at the time. Um, you had joined the department in the late 90s. And uh, what was it like for you? And, and how difficult uh, did it make the work environment? Because you directly uh, experienced sexual harassment. So if you don't mind uh, telling our listeners uh, what exactly was it like and, and why did you need to uh, come together as a group through your union to, to fight back? Um, I had started back in the early 1994, um, and at the time, corrections was a man's job. Um, women were very limited, so um, there was maybe a handful of us that worked at the time, so we had to deal with a lot of issues in regards to the man's job. and. Um, it just continued and it just kept going on and on um, to where we had finally stood up and said, you know what, this is enough. Um, we're not going to take this anymore. And thankfully, Kathy and uh, somebody else had, um, you know, pushed the issue with us and helped us out in regards to that. And um, you were part, both of you were actually part of, uh, so belonging to a union, um, and this was, as Kathy said, uh, men and women came together to say enough is enough and, and to stop the culture of, of harassment, uh, of illegal, unlawful harassment at the department. As a rank-and-file union member, Tangeri, uh, do you feel like it was important and that it was beneficial to belong to a union to begin that fight-back process? Oh, absolutely. Um, if it wasn't for um, Kathy Austin and Jean Tewksbury, I mean, because they were the ones that were pushing the issue in regards to um, filing grievances, um, doing all of that, and then actually getting us together and at the time meeting with Edith Prank. So For, they were former state senator, I'll just interrupt. <laughs> uh, which was a, um, a big, uh, it was huge at that time. And if it wasn't for them two, who knows where sexual harassment would be right now in the department. And Kathy, can you talk a little bit about the, uh, both from a collective bargaining standpoint relative to the organizing drive of captains and lieutenants going forward, uh, the role that the union played as well as the fact that you two were part of a, a broader class action lawsuit against the department? So they, again, that was uh, sort of more organically driven, but um, you need uh, a collective bargaining environment protects workers for a lot of different ways. And uh, one of the ways that uh, collective bargaining works is to provide um, pay equity. As a matter of fact, the reason why Connecticut has paid pay equity is because of the inception of CBAC, which is the State Employee Bargaining Agent Coalition. And so uh, pay equity amongst the workers in the state employee realm is directly related uh, to the formation of a union. Uh, the class action suit and the uh, protection of uh, female employees uh, in the Department of Correction uh, really depended on the formation of the union. The correctional officers had a strong union and the correctional supervisors uh, were in the infancy of developing uh, a union and so 
supervisors had a two-pronged fight. They had the workers' rights issues and uh, in regards to collective bargaining, uh, which we were ultimately recognized for in 2004. But the fight started in the early 2000s. And what we were saying is that workers needed to have a good, uh, a good safe working environment. Uh, and they also needed to have uh, equal uh, opportunities for rights and not be forced to work uh, without getting paid. And that's really what was going on in the Department of Correction back at uh, that time frame. So the uh, fight to establish um, a collective bargaining environment, uh, we had to change a state law in order to do that. We also had to uh, fight to get the uh, union um, up and running and protect our workers. And uh, uh, when Tangeri talks about um, grievances, really what it was was protecting workers so they did not get terminated from their employment based on making a complaint of an action that was inappropriate. And that's what was going on is that workers were either being intimidated um, or forced to resign uh, because they were being harassed. And that was the climate back then. And I point again to the fact that this was an administrative climate that started at the very top and uh, actually uh, 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 moved all the way down to the bottom because it was tolerated. As a matter of fact, it was actually encouraged uh, from the administrative arm of the Department of Correction. The Commissioner of Correction at the time was uh, um, forced to resign directly as a result of his attitude towards uh, women employees and what he accepted and what he encouraged to happen. Um, the, you know, this is a non-traditional job for women. Uh, again, Tangeri talked about it being mostly male-dominated. Well, um, women bring a certain uh, amount of calming into the environment in the Department of Correction and often look at working through an incident um, uh, on a verbal basis and not necessarily a physical basis. And we bring a lot of value into the Department of Correction to make sure the environment uh, is, is not confrontational um, all the time. And that's been proven across the country uh, when you bring women into non-traditional environments. They look at things differently and often can resolve something at a lower level without escalating to a, a place of, uh, of a physical confrontation. Uh, so it took a while for the um, people in the Department of Correction to recognize the value of women uh, working uh, in those environments. And it also took a while for them to value them as employees. And uh, it was directly as a result of the climate at the top. When uh, the uh, climate changed, uh, when uh, Commissioner Meacham uh, was removed from office by then Governor Rowland. And uh, Commissioner Armstrong took over his um, idea. Uh, he did not recognize the value of employees, and he did not in particular recognize the value of female employees. And it uh, was directly that change in leadership that made it very difficult for women to be as successful as um, you know, as they have since become. And I think it's something that women in non-traditional environments, I was also in the military, uh, you know, women in non-traditional environments often uh, have to 
work twice as hard uh, to get recognized for the value that they um, produce. And both Tangerine and I worked in um, worked side by side with each other in uh, male environments, and uh, and in, uh, I worked in female environments too. Uh, so women working in the Department of Correction provide value, provide um, a way uh, to deal in a very negative way, uh, in a very negative environment, in a positive way that can bring change about. Um, so, so we needed to make sure that women were being protected in those environments. Uh, they have as much value. As a matter of fact, I've seen some women with more heart in a, in a situation than some men. So. Uh, Tangeria, you became a correction officer uh, because uh, you wanted to be on the front lines of, of public safety. I've known you a lot of years, and I know that you enjoy the challenges of your job. Um, I've always said that uh, our, our AFSCME union, and, and Kathy was a member of uh, CSEA, SEIU, uh, that, that, that our union members in public safety and law enforcement, really, they walk the most dangerous beat around. Um, you know, in, in, uh, I, don't, I can't overstate enough uh, what it's like to work in a, in a prison environment. So you're, you're on the front lines of public safety. I know that you enjoy the challenge of the job. I know that you are a union steward. Um, so much of what we hear in 2017 now with these, uh, with the day after day, these terrible stories cropping up is the fact that um, victims of sexual harassment, people who are, se women who are sexually harassed, didn't feel safe, didn't, didn't feel comfortable, and perhaps most alarmingly, didn't feel uh, secure enough to come forward um, because of what they would face uh, from their employer. Uh, you obviously at least uh, took some comfort knowing that you were part of a union and, and had a mechanism for um, stepping up and solving the culture. Is, is that a fair description? Oh, absolutely. It helped to have somebody who, who had our back. In, in coming forward and telling what was going on. Um, I, so I'll ask you, Tangerine, and then I'll, I'll ask it slightly differently of, of, of Senator <clears throat> Austin. You see what's going on in the news. Correct. Um, uh, and you, you see how um, volatile this issue is. Uh, when you started hearing these accounts in, in 2017, did it transport you back to the 2000s into what you went through? What was your thought process and reaction to all this? Um, gosh, when everything came out, I mean, everything was just coming out of all over the place. And all I kept thinking about was, we're in 2017. When is it going to stop? I don't feel I have the right to answer that, um, partially a, 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 as a male, um, but I, I think if I, I take some hope from this and what you, I take hope from the fact that the two of you um, fought courageously, but I also think that um, at a time when unions are under attack, one way we can solve this problem is to empower workers. And uh, Senator Austin, I don't know what's going to happen in the upcoming legislative session, but have, have you thought about that too in the, in the context that Tangeri just described? So when this first came out, I, I thought that, uh, I think that there have been many um, women um, who have individually stood up for other women in this issue. I also think that it's 2017, and it feels like we're sliding backwards, not moving forward. Uh, you know, in the General Assembly this um, last session, there were over 100 bills that were anti-worker bills. 
that would stop the representation uh, of workers by um, unions. And I've heard from some of my colleagues who have said, you know, we really don't need unions anymore, it's not the 1950s. And they're right, it's not the 1950s any longer, but we face a lot of challenges today. Uh, and quite frankly, the reason why Tangerie and I worked for the Department of Correction was because it provided a job that had equal pay for equal work. And without a collective bargaining environment, uh, there would not be pay equity amongst workers, even in the state environment. And I was always sort of shocked that in a state environment, in a, a very progressive state like Connecticut, that there would be this much sexual harassment. I clearly remember the first time we had a public hearing at the General Assembly. There were over a hundred women that were there, each with their own individual case, and they ran the gamut from sexual harassment to sexual assault. And um, I think that, that without having that ability to go in with a collective bargaining environment and talk to the General Assembly, we would not have been successful getting that through. And I think that's true today. Uh, you need to have an organization that uh, protects workers, that recognizes that workers need to talk with a singular voice. And without that singular voice, you get lost in the morass. It's, uh, it is not, um, uh, it is, is not without notice that the decline of the, um, of the collective bargaining environments on the private and public sector has led uh, to workers being treated in a bad fashion, led to workers getting less pay, led to workers being discriminated against, led to workers not getting health care, led to workers in many ways uh, being treated as less important than the administration of whether it's a private sector company or a public sector uh, agency. Uh, I think that we need work, we need working uh, collective bargaining environments to protect workers' rights. Uh, they, and they, they range, those rights range from good pay, good health care, and uh, to be protected from discrimination based on gender, uh, religion, or race. And I, I think that we really need to increase the number of environments. I've never known a working, in, a, a worker environment that has not been willing to step forward to help out either a private sector company or a public sector job. They're always willing to help out. Uh, they just want to be treated fairly and they need that collective bargaining environment and the rise of the middle class was directly related to um, uh, unions and uh, the decline of the middle class is directly related to the decline of collective bargaining environments. And very well said. And, and Tangeri, I when I think of uh, uh, someone like you, who, again, I've known for many years, uh, you performed, you walked a dangerous beat, you were hurt on that beat, you're still dealing with uh, injuries that you incurred on that beat. And I imagine that um, having the protection, having the safety and security um, of, of, a, of a collective bargaining agreement um, has helped you um, deal with the many challenges you faced um, on the job and, and now that you're retired. Sure, absolutely. Uh, like I said, if it wasn't for the union, knowing that somebody had our back and, and that they pushed the issue and made sure that we were treated fairly and, 
And if we weren't, there was always somebody there to, to talk for us. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I would have made it in the department. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did, and, and your work and your career is appreciated by all of us at AFSME. The same for you, uh, Senator Austin. And I just want to close with one last question, and then I'll direct it to, to Kathy. Uh, we are going to continue talking about this issue in, in future uh, Council for podcasts, so I don't want to cover everything today, but and I'll probably have you back, Kathy. Uh, do you anticipate this issue uh, coming up in some fashion in the upcoming legislative session, if I could ask? So there was a bill that um, did not make it all the way through the General Assembly, um, and that was on pay equity overall. Uh, passed in Massachusetts on a bipartisan basis uh, with uh, 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 colleagues from both sides of the aisle in both House and Senate. That, those conversations are going on right now. And so I think that that bill will come up again. And in many ways, pay equity uh, clearly is uh, a function uh, and uh, leads to, without having pay equity, leads to sexual harassment and how people move forward. Uh, so I'm, I look forward to that piece of legislation coming forward. Uh, you know, I think that uh, we should have those open uh, discussions and uh, I think that there will be legislation and at least talk on legislative committees revolving around sexual harassment uh, and I'd like to see uh, clearly more women running for office um, I would take that opportunity right now to say that uh, we look at things differently uh, we look at uh, a whole host of things and if you look at the data it shows that uh, women are very interested in today's world and running for office. They see this as uh, uh, a, uh, a necessary uh, thing to do in order to protect the rights of women. Uh, and I look forward to working with each and every one of them. And we look forward to, to working with you. So I want to thank uh, retired correction officer and local AFSCME Local 1565 member, Tangeri Godwin, State Senator Kathy Aston. Uh, we are not done talking about this, but thank you both so much for being on our program today. I'm Larry Dorman. This has been Council 4 Unplugged, and we will be back soon to talk more about workers' rights and how unions make the economy a better and fairer place for all of us. Take care.